Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. We take just a couple of minutes right now to just recognize the significance of the day. 18 years ago, all of us were stopped in our tracks as a group of terrorists jumped in a bunch of airplanes and destroyed the fabric. Really, they attacked the fabric of our society. They didn't destroy the attack, uh, uh, the fabric of our society, but they made an impact. Thousands of people killed, hundreds and thousands and millions impacted by the devastation. Thank you to all the first responders that are alive today that are hearing this. For those of you that, that served and we're grateful for all the service that you put in to serve our country and, and just so many servicemen, women, and people that have served overseas to fight off terrorism and keep it off mm-hmm. our shores. Uh, so we just are thankful. We're thankful for our Lord uh, just giving um, our nation a unique place in this world to be a light. And uh, Father, we just ask that you help us to be uh, worthy of the light that you've given us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just we just want to thank just that silent moment that they held this morning in New York City, that we hold it all over this country to recognize that 9-11 is a day that uh, uh, will just always be on our hearts. We talked today with uh, some incredible people out of Memphis, Tennessee. And and, and on, the conversation started by an off Alvin Beisner, uh, by Beisner, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote a book, and and I said, Calvin, that's great. I would love to talk about how do we minister to the the least of these. How do we talk about poverty? Because this is a, a subject that the church needs to really focus on. Because the church has walked away from a responsibility to really handle this. And I'm not talking about the four walls church. We're talking about the body of Christ church. But I said, Calvin, I want somebody on the ground. I want somebody that's actually involved in ministering to the least of these and seeing success in doing so. And he goes, we got to get Effie Johnson. <laughs> so we got, we got Calvin Beisner and Effie Johnson on the line today from Memphis, Tennessee. We're talking about poverty, but we're not talking about, this is not a political show. You guys know that. We're talking about poverty today so that we can have a better understanding on how to make an impact on our own community, wherever you're listening to this show today. So Calvin, Effie, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You for us. Effie, how did you realize that your calling was to care for the least of these? Well, because I was voluntold to do it at the beginning. Voluntold. <laughs> 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 so my parents, <laughs> my parents uh, began doing work uh, serving people in need in the in the early sixties. Um, they were born into uh, poor settings themselves in Mississippi and Alabama. And as they grew uh, and, and were able to get educated and moved to Memphis over a period of time, they um, were called, just their heart was called to serve people in need. And, um, and that's how that happened. And over, over my lifetime, my parents, uh, before I married, had, had raised or helped to raise over 75 foster children that were not mm. a part of the tr- traditional foster care system. Um, and they would take them to the church, and they would um, do devotion times with them. Um, they would feed them, clothe them, and a lot of these families asked my parents to keep these um, children, for um, young adults, young young people, youth as well, uh, for extended periods of time. And I remember telling my mother, 
why can't we spend our money on a new car? Why can't we do certain things? And um, I would just like to be like, you know, the folks that I see, you know, around us. And she said, look here, I'm not your friend. I'm your mama. Uh, this is what we call to do. And this is your purpose until you walk out this house and not living here. And I was like, well, that means I have to do what they say do. And so, uh, of course, over over time, um, the Lord was showing me that he was developing, developing me all the time for the work to, that we do today uh, as a Neighborhood Christian Center's organization. Um, but uh, it was because of my parents' um, commitment to serving people in need, the least of these, and, and pushing hard until there's none, we're going to do this. And I believe in that, and that's why I do it today. Mm. You know, that's so powerful. I hope our listeners hear that um, your parents knew that they had a calling on their life and they modeled that. And um, boy, your mom sounds like a spitfire. I love that. (laughs) So, but what a great example. And look at where it led you today. So um, listeners, listen up because we're on for a ride here. So Calvin, what drove you to researching and writing about the impact of governmental policies on the poor in our country? Well, on the one hand, it actually started very, very early in my life, long before I could really think it through very well. Mm-hmm. As a toddler, I lived in Calcutta, India, when my father was with the U.S. State Department. And because of my mother's illness at the time, I, I was taken uh, by a nursemaid, so to speak, uh, to another Indian family every day to be taken care of. And we were out mm-hmm. very early in the mornings walking down the streets. And uh, some of my very earliest memories of life are of stepping over the bodies of people who had died overnight of starvation and disease. Wow. And, of course, I didn't understand at the time, but those pictures just, you know, they are indelibly in my mind. Later, when I became a Christian and then began sharing the faith with others, uh, telling others about Christ, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand that the Bible actually has a great deal to say about this. I was all about evangelism, and of course that is, that's the primary purpose of the Church, and yet over and over, all through Scripture, we hear, uh, we, we read of the care of God for the poor. You know, Jesus in Luke 4.18 announces the beginning of his ministry by saying, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, to preach good news to the poor is the very first thing he <laughs> says there. Mm-hmm. And finally, actually, a pastor friend of mine got my attention and said, hey, you need to, lead, uh, to learn about this. And as I did, I saw that there were all kinds of different ideas about how to help the poor. A lot of them had to do with government policy. And as I studied those, I, found, uh, I, I thought, you know, some of this sounds well-intended, but I'm afraid it might actually backfire. So that led to my winding up doing actually a master's degree in economic ethics. I wrote a, a thesis on the biblical teaching on economics uh, related to poverty, uh, and then later wrote a book, uh, Prosperity and Poverty, the Compassionate Use of Resources in a World of Scarcity, and we're gonna published d- by Crossway Books. So we're gonna d- that's what love- got me into it. I, I, I love that. I want to make sure we get into it, but I want to make sure we, we establish a couple more things before we head to the break. So is there, we got a bottom line, right? Because we're running out, we'll run out of time today if we don't. Is there, Effie, you start off, is there a solution to poverty in this country? Well, I think the first thing we have to remember is the Bible says the poor will be with us always. Um, now, poverty is a, somewhat of a different definition than maybe being poor. 
and from my perspective that there are ways to treat the condition of poverty um, that we believe is brought on by negative exposures to social determinants of health. So we believe there's an approach to helping people get out of an impoverished mindset, out of an impoverished lifestyle. Not necessarily they would not ever remain poor. They could stay in a in a state where they make less than $30,000 a year with a townhouse over four. But can they live, have a best life as they are progressing out of those conditions? That is what we want first, to stabilize <laughs> their families. And Calvin, what about you? Do you think there's a solution to poverty? Well, I think there are lots of solutions, and you have to <laughs> find the right ones for the right people in the right places at the right times. And the problem is when we try to use a cookie-cutter approach and, and treat everybody the same way. This is why Effie's work is so crucially important and so effective, is that she and the folks who work with her get deeply involved in people's lives. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of personal sacrifice. Frankly, it doesn't take all that terribly much money on the part of the people who mm. are doing this, but it takes money to support them, you know, to, to support the ministry. But what it really takes is time getting deeply involved in people's lives so that you understand why is it that they are where they are? What are the steps to a better way of life for them for this particular family in this particular situation? And boy, you just can't do a one-size-fits-all on that. Mm -hmm. That's why Effie's way of working is 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 so effective. Effie, you got 30 seconds to the break. you got a lot of people listening today going, why are we talking about poverty on I Work For Him? Tell them why we're talking about it today. Well, I believe the Lord calls us to help those that are in need. Those are the least of these. And I see it every day. And I cannot walk around as a Christian and see a person that's in need and, and ignore that. So wherever they are, they're my neighbor. If they're in Memphis, they're my neighbor. If they're in Florida, they're my neighbor. Wherever they are, if I can help somebody have a better quality of life and know about Jesus Christ so they can have a better life here and eternal life with Him, mm. I'm called to do that. Today we're going to talk about some of those things that the church doesn't get a chance to talk enough about. we got a couple of people living out their workplace in some of those tougher spots, dealing with a thing that we don't like to even talk about, poverty, because it's so overwhelming. But before we get back to Effie Johnson and Calvin Beisner, we want to make sure that you understand the greatest place to get a hold of us is always... Our website, iworkforhim.com. So listeners, um, we would love to have you visit there to poke around, see what's there for you. Um, we have a lot of different listening options for you to meet your needs. We have a 15-minute um, summary show that we call our Power Pod. And our every radio show is podcast into a full podcast as well. So, um, and I work for Him Nation, Jim. There's just so much. So we can't cover it all today, but I just want to encourage people to go to iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. Poverty. Jesus said that we'll always have the poor among us. Does that mean that there's no solution to poverty? We know the government's war on poverty has been lost to the tune of trillions of dollars. So how do you win this war? Is it a physical battle? Or is it a spiritual battle? And what role is the church supposed to be playing in this battle? And how does business fit in to bringing a solution to poverty? All great questions, but we need to break the cycle on how do we do it? And how do you and me, the I work for him listeners, how do we do it? 
You know, we're, we're in Memphis, Tennessee today with Effie Johnson from Neighborhood Christian Center, ncclife.org, ncclife.org. But this was all started because I had a conversation with Calvin Beisner from cornwallalliance.org. Calvin said, hey, I want to talk. About, I wrote this book about poverty, and I really want to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it, but let's talk about some practitioners that are really working on the issue on the street that are getting their feet dirty, their knees dirty, serving the poor. And that's Effie Johnson from Neighborhood Christian Center. Effie, so my question to you is, Calvin said something really powerful right before the break, that this takes a lot of time. Does it take a lot of time to minister to the poor, to, to, to delve into societal issues leading to poverty? Yes, it takes a lot of time. I mean, it's been proven now, um, what we've kind of learned along the way, and my mother has written many books uh, regarding this as well. Uh, it takes five to seven years to to move the mindset of a person that's living in generational poverty out of that mindset of repetitive thought that this is the only way, this, this is all I know, to there is another way uh, to living. And so um, to strive with a person for seven to ten years even um, take, is, is time. And uh, relationship and disappointment and ups and downs. Uh, and so, yes, it takes time, and it's a literal time. Uh, sometimes people can't give as much volunteer time as it takes. And so you need people that are doing not just us doing this work in Memphis, but all of the community partners that are in the city of Memphis working together collaboratively to help people in need is necessary for moving them to, towards stability. And it has to be continuous uh, intervention, continuous um, involvement and engagement um, so that we can help help those that are willing to move out. Uh, I share that a lot, that there are a lot of people that need the help. We can offer it to them, but if they don't receive it, it doesn't change anything. They have to be willing to do it. And that's what we're here every day to try to convince those that will to do. So five to seven years, and then you threw in seven to ten years of moving somebody from the generational mindset of poverty out of that, moving them out of the generational mindset of poverty. That's a staggering amount of time. And, and you're right. Most people listen to the show. Most of us, all of us, we don't have that kind of attention deficit. You know, we get mad when there's five, two minutes of commercials <laughs> in between our favorite show. Uh, and and five, to, five to seven years is a long time. Uh, talk to us. I mean, we just we need to grasp that somehow. If you got to help us grasp this, what are some of the things that you and your team at at neighborhood Christian centers involve yourself with? These let's just say it's a family, a family that needs to move yeah. away from the generational mindset of poverty. What are some of the things you have to help them with in order to get them moving down the line? And so, what we have to do first is what we call stabilization services. Um, when you're focusing on five to seven or seven to seven to ten year process of change, you're focus, you're looking and working with the parent, but you're really, really focusing on the children. Uh-huh. And so, the ones that are living in poverty that have an opportunity to go beyond where their parents are doesn't mean that they can't escape or get a better job or get a degree. But but that parent is already at an adult stage most of the time. The child is typically, if you have a mother, three to three to five children on average in the household, and those children range from um, um, a newborn 
to seven years old, in order for you to get that first child successfully out of high school into college, it's going to take another seven or so years. Mm. And that child is going to be a first-generation graduate, probably from high school, for sure from college or uh, some form of trade. Then they are they have some connection to the family where they're going to want to help that family demonstrating, either demonstrating that this can be done or maybe having to support them in some way. It's, it's, it's what it is. And so how do you do it? You've got to get one person out of there first to see it can be done and support that person through the process so that others will follow. And, and we have seen it happen out of 41 years of our organization. We've seen probably two or three iterations of this. Um, we've done better in the past 10 or 12 years in, in keeping the records of that. Uh, we have 40-plus <laughs> students a year that are in college. So we're starting to see first gen. What are we seeing also with these students in college? Maybe a third of them will drop out, and we have to move them toward trade because they cannot handle it. Right. Um, it's, it's, uh, but that's it's okay. That, that, it's, you know, it's, but, but they're better than they would have been. But, and, I mean, um, not yeah, everybody's set you know, for college, though, yeah. either. Effie, not everybody's set for college. No, no, I mean, I, yeah. No, that said, they go to trade. After that, we'll shift them to trade. And these are trade schools or uh, the, the normal four-year uh, academic uh, okay. process. And so are the, the, tip, the typical um, college experience. And so, so we have evolved into pushing people toward those. And I'm saying a lot, but in a short period of time. And so there's a lot to, that has to be processed. When you raise your own children, there's, you know, I got a child right now deciding what he's going to do. Be he's graduated from high school this year. Uh, right. So imagine having to work with people that have never had to be exposed to that, and they are now an adult with two multiple children, trying to see what what dream can they re refire, reboot. So, so, so Effie, for have some form. for our listeners, I would love for you to just explain what you think of as a success before we delve in any deeper, because you've you've used kind of like the when they get out of there, and I know you're talking about getting out of poverty, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're just you're transplanting them to the suburbs. You've talked about education. Right. What what is right. that transition to success look like? So we can kind of wrap our head around it. Right. Well, transition to success itself is a evidence based approach we use that was uh, designed by Marcella Wilson, um, which is a doctorate level uh, uh, person that has really helped to guide us in this approach. Uh, in these later years. And what that means is um, families or individuals come to us typically broken and in a vulnerable state. And mm-hmm. we use a five-stage approach from vulnerability through to um, uh, stability or anchorage. And that's a five-level process. So to get a person from vulnerable to st- stable is a three-step process. To get them to anchorage is a four- and five-step process. And mm-hmm. so Success for us is can we help you get to stability? Can we help you move from vulnerability to stability in three stages, which takes about three or four years, so that you're getting off of food stamps, you're getting off of uh, public uh, support or federal aid, and and having a job and going to work every day, and your children are going Mm. to school every day without major um, behavioral issues, and they are um, getting they're doing their homework. That is success. So you're That's talking about a person that that doesn't enforce their children's education. They can go to school or not. We're talking about real-time stuff I deal with every day. Right. 
We're talking about children that are carrying guns, robbing folks, doing whatever they have to do to survive sometimes, not just because they're malicious. And how do we move them toward having the things they need in a basic, just a basic need, so that they don't have to think about what do I have to do to survive, but how can I now do what is, what is typical in America and have just be a student, go to school, come home, have something to eat, and move forward in life, and then have an option opportunity to see the next step. When so we right come, now we can't see a next step. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to understand what does it take to move somebody from poverty to being stable, most of us have never even seen that kind of a plan. So we want to bring in why? Because this all comes back to jobs and business. Because when somebody has a job, they can begin to flourish. And businesses provide jobs. And businesses provide money to provide for people who need, who want to come out of poverty. And, and we're all involved in the marketplace, but there's some that don't get to participate like others. And so that's why we're talking about this and I work for him today. That's exactly right. So, um, Effie, wh- you know, I know that our listeners are leaning in and they're thinking, wow, I don't even think about this conversation. And um, if I want to do anything, I wouldn't even know where to start. So not all of us are in Memphis, which is where you are. Um, but how, what does an organization like yours look like? So when, when people are saying, I want to find an organization that I can partner with, and your organization can be found online at ncclife.org, what, what, what yeah. should they be looking for in their community? Well, one thing we, we believe and we've learned to do is, uh, is that organization focused. Um, we we used to try to do everything and respond huh. to every situation, you know, and be all things to all people. We cannot be that. So what we are is a wraparound services uh, and um, family engagement organization, and, and you can read about that. But that's what we focus on, and other people focus on mental health or behavioral health or social-emotional health, whatever the different areas mm-hmm. they focus on, we refer to them. We refer to them and not try to be all of that. Uh, the second thing I think is important is that is that organization collaborative? Do yeah. you see them working alongside other people that are walking in best practices, or are they a long long ranger doing their own thing? You know, so that's <laughs> that's another area that um, we think is important. And then, are they uh, actively involved in the community? Um, are they doing the work that um, that um, they say they're doing every day? Um, with those that um, that they say they're doing doing mm-hmm. with, um, and then um, 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 are they incorporating outcomes in the midst of their outreach efforts? You know, are, are they? Doing what does that, that mean? Um, What's that mean? That means that you're doing outreach because that's important to develop relationships to incentivize people to come. Sometimes you have to pass out things and give away things. But how are you demonstrating outcomes where they're were their successes, were their, uh, was their growth, was their development out as, as an outgrowth of them coming to you over a period of time. So did you identify that? They've come multiple times, and now what are the outcomes? Did the child improve in their reading because they came to your after-school program, or are you just letting them watch games all day, play games all day? Uh, right. Or are they improving – are they improving in their behavior or in their attendance in school because you're incentivizing them that they can have a party at your activity-based location if they're doing this at the school? And are mm. you keeping record of that? So um, we've had to learn. We've, we've been growing and learning and aligning ourselves with people 
Um, United Way has a, a, a right. approach that we're connected with. Uh, Slingshot is someone we're very interested in trying to be a part of. We're not, but they are doing best practices. Um, a lot of different organizations in your own community who is help can come alongside you and help you be better at what you do and demonstrate those outcomes. Mm. That's All why right. we had weak, weaknesses, and we're working toward improving that because mm-hmm. we see that as a very important. Well, and I love, I just love your excitement because you truly are loving on people that are they're struggling. And you got, you got lots of different types of people that for lots of different reasons are struggling in poverty and they don't know how. Sometimes people just don't even, they don't know how to help themselves even with their first steps and, and you're helping them. You're doing exactly what the scriptures told us to do as Jesus followers. Now, Calvin Beisner, you wrote this book, Prosperity and Poverty, The Compassionate Use of Resources in a world of scarcity. And, and, and then you put in there that an introduction to economics built on a biblical worldview, theology, and ethics, which is, you know, that yeah. blows my mind kind of stuff. Okay. What, 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 what was your point in writing this book? There's a lot. I mean, this country, our country is the richest country in the world. Bar none. Nobody else has got more wealth than we do. Yet we have we have the same kind of poverty problem in this country and maybe even more of a problem with poverty in this country than some of the less wealthy uh, countries. How, why do we, the United States of America, why do we have such a problem with poverty, and is the church the solution? Well, I think I'll, I'll go backwards there. Yes, the church is the solution. <laughs> uh, and then the next question is, well, what do we really mean by poverty? Because, frankly, uh, the people we define by federal uh, federal regulations as as poor in America are actually typically better off than the average West European. That's you know the average people in France and Italy and Spain and Germany and so on. Our so-called poor tend to have more income, more purchasing power, more more possessions than the average people in Europe. And so we have a, a, a strange hmm. definition of poverty in the United States. The biblical definition of poverty is actual destitution. In the Bible, you're poor materially if you really don't know where your next meal is going to come from. And that's the kind of people where John says in 1 John three seventeen, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? The answer is it doesn't. You know that's pretty obvious. Mm, yeah. We're told to remember the poor, and we have the example of Christ, who, uh, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. So, my aim in my book, frankly, was primarily to look at you know how do we how do we adopt government policies that prevent the government itself from perpetuating poverty mindsets. Ooh, wait, wait, I think, frankly, more often than not, the government is is the worst thing to bring into trying to help the poor. Well, and we've uh, seen that. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Calvin, hang on, hang on a second. Because what you just said there is probably the most powerful point that you're going to make all day. is Because the government's been fighting poverty for 70 years, and, and we have just now, I, as a body of Christ, I think we're waking up to the idea and to the understanding that a lot of these programs that have been passed by both sides of the aisles have perpetuated poverty and not really brought solutions to poverty. And, and that's what you just said. It's so powerful. But that's because the church is, is supposed to be the solution to this, not the government. And this is why works like what Effie is, is doing with neighborhood Christian centers here in Memphis and elsewhere— 
Uh, these are so important because they really do get involved directly in people's lives. And you know, during the break, <laughs> we happen to be talking about how you know, throwing money at poverty is not a good solution. And that is absolutely right. But yeah. throwing money at people who are getting involved and literally, truly helping people to get out of a poverty mentality, out of generational poverty, throwing money at them is a very, very good thing to do. Yes. I mean, that's exactly what Paul raised money for uh, during the famine of, uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, he raised money from churches all over Achaia. And so, you know, frankly, most of us are never going to be called to do what Effie does. You know, there are a lot of different members in the body of Christ. We all have different mm-hmm. callings. But we, what we all can do is get involved in supporting the kind of work that Effie is doing. And you know, that, you know, I, I, I think your listeners uh, may be thinking, well, but I don't have five or six hours a week, 10 hours, 12 hours a week to pour into people. True enough. But there are people who are called to do not just five or six hours a week, but 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but they need their bills paid. And that's yeah. where your listeners can be so helpful. Right. Uh, truly, writing and, the checks. And, to and the this is one of those times where we actually agree in saying that, you know, you as a, as a worker earning an income, you can help others flourish by supporting organizations like Effie's organization, which ncclife.org, because she is doing that work. And so, you know, there's that fine line, Jim, where we talk about that, you know, it's like, we want everybody to understand what their sphere of influence is their mission field, but we can support people like Effie doing this work. Um, I also just want to think about what what our workers can do in their how does how does business actually play a play a part in the solution though in the flourishing effie well we include um business owners um uh, banks uh, hospitals um different types of businesses and are involved in helping us to serve um families every month in our mobile uh, pantry initiatives uh we have different ones mm. that come out and volunteer during their lunch break or after school, right after school, they'll trade their lunch break for a 3 o'clock time and come and read to a student. So we are including, including the marketplace community in being directly involved by intentionally inviting them to be a part of what we're doing in the communities we serve. Is, is, there, is this just an inner city issue? Poverty? Is it just an inner city no. issue? <laughs> no, this is not. I mean, we're, we're, we're beyond... Uh, we're out where, where Jim and his church are. We're serving people in that um, further um, east of Memphis um, area where people don't necessarily look the same as those that we're serving in the middle of the city. Um, there's rural poverty or there's rural, there are people that are living in, um, in situations where they, uh, they're senior citizens now. They've lived and mm. gotten older and no one else is around to help them. So we, the picture or the face of poverty or face of people that need help are not just youth or not just uh, a woman with seven kids living in, in you know, inner city Memphis or wherever, uh, that could be a there are a lot of grandparents that are taking care of raising their their grandchildren. Yeah, right. So that's added uh, added an additional um, um, burden for them. They love the children, but they can't afford to to do it. So mm-hmm. uh, where where the areas that we serve, where Mr. Jim is, uh, we have 55 plus families that we've identified right out there that need us to be able to help them with food. You know, to make it stabilize, and they may never get all the way over because they're so far past the age to work. And so, um, we're going to be called to serve those types of people all the time. 
and Good do we point. leave them out there to, to, to fend for themselves? We can't do that. But right. those of us who have energy and who have ability to help, to pass our food, to do whatever they need, that helps to reduce the stress on people, on their children, so the right. desperation right. is reduced, so then you have less violence. You have less uh, people getting out and, 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 and stealing. Not all the ways can be uh, corrected by that, but that reduces it. Right. So There's when still, we do these things, right. it does help. It Hang does on. Help. We, and it's and because we still got to deal with heart issues, but you're presenting Christ as part of all of this. We're done. We're, we're out of time, but I want to thank you, Effie Johnson from NCCLife.org in Memphis, Tennessee. Calvin Beisner from CornwallAlliance.org. Thanks for just energizing our conversation. We got to have this conversation again because this is something as a body of Christ. This is something we've been given. But thank you so much for appearing in iWork, and we're so grateful for both of you. Thank, thank you. you. And we're going to just take just a little bit of a shift in our conversation. We're talking with Catherine Gates from workmatters.org. Catherine, you've got a huge event coming up here on October the 11th, which Martha and I will be privileged enough to be participating in. But I really want to make sure our audience knows they can get access to this event there in Rogers, Arkansas, but they can also get access to this all over the country. And I want to make sure people know about Work Matters. So tell us about this upcoming event you have on October the 11th. Well, we appreciate that so much, Jim and Martha. Um, yes, Rogers, Arkansas, October 11th, Friday, October 11th, uh, the Work Matters Conference will be taking place. The theme is Leadership Ignited. <clears throat> and we're really excited about the speakers that are coming to this conference this year, Jim and Martha. I mean, we're always excited, but um, it just seems to get better and better every year. We've got Dan Chaffee, CEO of Chick-fil-A, speaking about timeless principles for, for faith-based leadership. Nona Jones, she leads faith-based partnerships at Facebook, and she is going to be talking about how to build community. And then we've got a series of other people, David Echegoyan from Walmart, talking about team building, Kathleen Edelman about communications, Sean Blanc about focus and productivity, and Donnie Smith, one of our all-time favorites. He will be sharing some timeless principles about really doing our work by leaning on God and, and gaining from his strength and wisdom. Mm. Donnie Smith, of course, famous from Tyson Foods. That's exactly right. right. So, so great lineup. We hope that, why don't you tell our listeners before we get into anything else, how they can learn about it online. They can simply go to workmatters.org slash conference and they'll see everything that they need to know. They'll see who all the speakers are. And I just gave you a few of them, but there, mm-hmm. there are several others. They'll see how they can either attend it live or they can live stream this event in their own location. And listeners, that's something we really want you to hear. Yes, you can go to Arkansas. We'd love to see you there and come say, come say hi to us. But if you can't do that, streaming live doesn't have to mean you have to rent out a huge hall, put up a big screen. This can be done right in their, in their conference room at their, at their business, right? That's right. We want to keep it as simple as possible. And in fact, we've done a little bit of work to make it even simpler. So we've got two ways for people to receive it in their own location. They can live stream it as an individual, although we do recommend that they have at least one body with them, one person, coworker, that they can share the information with and bounce ideas off of. But they can also host an event. And what we're doing for companies, for churches, or even for small community groups, faith-based workplace groups that want to maybe rent out a conference room somewhere or, or allow people to come into their conference room, 
we have created a tiered pricing level so that if they want a small group of people, it's one price, and then they can just simply invite. Or if they got a larger group, it would be another price. So we've got right. we've got that uh, flexibility built in now as well. And I just want to interject while we're talking about this that there is going to be a local um, streaming site in the Tampa Bay area for our listeners here in the Tampa Bay area at Seminole Calvary Seminole location. So they can find that, I'm, I know, on the website as well and how to register and everything. But it's exciting. They can find where all over the country the people will be streaming. Does that mean we don't have one in Jacksonville? I can't believe our Jacksonville audience hasn't responded and said, <laughs> hey, I want to have one here in Jacksonville. It's not so, too late. That's right. It's not too late. Workmatters.org forward slash conference. All right, so let's talk. Is this conference, Catherine Gates? Is this just a bunch of talking heads that we're just going to sit in a pew and, and listen for eight hours? No, you know, one of the things that I know a lot of people experience at conferences like that, this is a deluge of information that is really hard to process. We want this conference to produce real life change in real time. And so what we're doing is building in opportunities to process the information, not just by themselves, but also with community. Community is huge. And the more we can have community around us, the more we see that we can have consistent life change and even deeper life change. And so we'll be creating structured opportunities for people to discuss some of the points that they're hearing and how it applies in their world. But there'll also be unstructured opportunities for them to do that as well. Mm. Well, it's structured opportunities. You mean like discussions, right? They're going to have discussion. Like they're going to have time to talk about this in the middle of the conference, yes. right? Okay. Structure. Yes, I mean, absolutely. It, I mean, I know you're going to structure in bathroom breaks. But we're talking about people are going to have a chance <laughs> to actually put their feet on the road of these conversations during the middle of the conference so that they can actually solidify some of this stuff. Yes, right in the middle of the conference. And in fact, it's not just one speaker after the other. There are a couple of interviews. There's a, a panel on millennials that work. And then there are workshops. And those workshops are going to be very engaging, very interactive, with, with a lot of opportunity to look at how they can apply the principles right there so that hopefully, as I said, there's real life change in real time immediately. For sure. So it, listeners, if this is piquing your interest at all, I want to encourage you to go to the website, workmatters.org slash conference, learn more about it, really pray and consider um, taking the opportunity to host the streaming in your location, whether you go to your boss and say, hey, can we do this in the conference room um, or whatever that might look, your church, a lot of churches are streaming it across the country. Yeah. This is a super opportunity for you to introduce this idea that your work really matters because that's what it's called. Work matters. And, but that is the whole, if you, this is embraced in you, you listen to, I work for him because you understand the connection of your faith in your work and you want to get more people in that conversation. That's what this conference is really going to do in your, in your community. So let's that's talk right. about the speakers a little bit more. Are all of the speakers Christ followers? They are. Every single one of them is a Christ follower, and every single talk will be 100% leadership development and 100% faith-based. And how do you think that really impacts the content for the people that attend and listen? What that helps people do is see that living out their faith at work is not only relevant and meaningful, meaningful and something that we should be doing as Christians, 
but it also helps them to see very practical ways mm-hmm. to do that. It doesn't mean, um, you know, uh, sharing the gospel every at every possible moment or carrying a Bible around. It, it means how you treat people, how you approach your work. It means being prayerful about it and really just, just really being in the presence of God all day as you're working. And listeners, I want you to really hear that because you know that on I Work For Him, we are all about the practical, all about the what does this really look like and what does God want me to be doing in my workplace? And this is a great way to get a lot of those tools that then if you if you bring people alongside of you, you attend it together, you watch it together, then you can continue the conversation. And that's that's really the part that I know, Catherine, you get pretty excited about, right? The impact. Yes, yes very much so. It's, you know, if we don't have support around us, it's so easy to get influenced by the demands and the stress of just the way things are already being done and influenced by the world. What we need to do is shift that so that we are influencing others and um, helping one another, holding each other accountable and helping one another really figure out, you know, how that looks a little different. Yeah. Workmatters.org forward slash conference. I know I keep saying forward slash. You guys just say slash. What happened to the backslash? The backslash called and they're upset. People know. The, the people backslash. know, honey. No, people don't know. <laughs> they don't know. We used to use a backslash in programming. Okay. The backslash called. It's upset. Okay. Workmatters.org forward slash conference. Work Matters. That's the name of the organization, which is why we're highlighting you here on I Work For Him. Mm-hmm. Catherine Gates. Everybody listening today could use some daily or often encouragement. How can Work Matters supply that for them, not only just through this conference, but on a day-to-day basis going all year long? Yeah, we have workplace scripture. If, if someone goes to our, our website and they go to resources, they will see workplace scripture. They will see workplace devotions. We have um, actually, we're just about to launch our 11th reading plan on the Version Bible app. Awesome. And so we, we've got resources we're always adding, and we're always looking for feedback on what people want as well. That's exactly right. So lots of great content people can absorb starting now. They don't have to wait for the conference, but then attend the conference, bring your team, participate together. So tell us again who some of the speakers are and the details about the date and time and everything. Yeah, so it's Friday, October 11th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Time. But if you're live streaming, you will have the opportunity to watch it at a time that's, that works for you. So it mm. will be recorded sort of like DVR, and, and so you can um, rewind easily. The speaker is Dan Cathy. We're so excited to have him, CEO of Chick-fil-A. Nona Jones from Facebook. David Etchegoyne from Walmart. Um, Kathleen Edelman, a life coach and communications expert. Sean Blanc, he's a focus and productivity expert. Sheba Phillip, she's president of Acola. The uh, women's lifestyle and fashion brands, mm-hmm. and Donnie Smith, of course, who we always love, and um, there'll be there'll be also a, a millennial panel, young professionals panel, as well as um, just other. You know, there'll be a, a few other speakers and am- workshops as well. Wow, an amazing day ahead, Power October of the 11th, from uh, from I think it's uh, nine to. Th- Four Eastern, and then it goes backwards depending on where you yep. are in the country. Catherine Gates from workmatters.org forward slash conference. Thanks for being on iWork for him today. Thank you so much, Jim and Martha. I appreciate you. We look forward to seeing you. We'll be there in a month. You're listening to iWork for him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. 
Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iworkforhim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iworkforhim and online iworkforhim.com. I work the number four, him.com.